October 2nd. And now as we turn our attention to the New Testament, we'll be reading today from the book of Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 21. We'll read about rejoicing. Now if you cannot rejoice in your circumstances, you can always rejoice in the Lord who controls your circumstances. So fix your attention on Him. He may not change your situation, but He will change you, and that's even better. We'll read about counting. Well, let me ask you, what's important to you? Do you feel you've made sacrifices to follow the Lord? Paul the Apostle did not feel he had lost anything worthwhile by trusting Christ. Instead, he gained everything really worth having. And we'll read about reaching. Christians are like runners who refuse to look around or look back, but keep running with their eyes on the prize, on the goal. See, to look back at past successes or failures, or to look around to see what others are doing or saying, is to invite defeat. Watch out. We'll read about weeping. This is the only mention of tears in a letter devoted to joy. Paul wept over professed Christians who lived to please themselves. Instead of having the mind of Christ, they thought like the world, and these people are with us today, of course. And we'll read about looking. Paul looked up and eagerly anticipated the return of the Lord. Christ had taken care of his past, and he would also take care of his future. And as for Paul's present, his confidence was knowing that he is able. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. October 2nd, Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 21. Yet I, Paul, could have confidence in myself if anyone could. If others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. For I was circumcised when I was eight days old, having been born into a pure-blooded Jewish family that is a branch of the tribe of Benjamin. So I am a real Jew if there ever was one. What's more, I was a member of the Pharisees, who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. And zealous? Yes, in fact, I harshly persecuted the church, and I obeyed the Jewish law so carefully that I was never accused of any fault. I once thought all these things were so very important, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I may have Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law, but I trust Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. As a result, I can really know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I can learn what it means to suffer with Him, sharing in His death, so that somehow I can experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, or that I have already reached perfection, but I keep working toward that day, when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be, but I am focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize 
for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. I hope all of you who are mature Christians will agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must be sure to obey the truth we have learned already. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine, and learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you often before, and I say it again, with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Their future is eternal destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and all they think about is this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Savior. He will take these weak, mortal bodies of ours and change them into glorious bodies like His own, using the same mighty power that He will use to conquer everything, everywhere. Number one, put God first. Put God first in everything you do. Everything that you think you see in me, everything that I've accomplished, everything that you think I have, and I have a few things, everything that I have is by the grace of God. Understand that. It's a gift. 40 years ago, March 27th, 1975, it was 40 years ago, uh, just this past March, I was flunking out of college. I had a 1.7 grade point average. I hope none of you can relate. <laughs> I had a 1.7 grade point average. I was sitting in my mother's beauty shop. They still call it beauty shop now? What they call it now? Yeah, I was sitting in the beauty parlor. I was sitting in my mother's beauty parlor and I'm looking in the mirror and I see behind me this woman under the dryer and every time she looked up she every time I looked up she was looking at me just looking me in the eye and I didn't know who she was and I said you know she said somebody give me a pen give me a pencil I have a prophecy March 27 1975 she said boy you are gonna travel the world and speak to millions of people now mind you I flunked out of college I'm thinking about joining the army. I didn't know what I was going to do. And she's telling me I'm going to travel the world and speak to millions of people. Well, I have traveled the world. And I have spoke to millions of people. But that's not the most important thing, the success that I had. The most important thing is that what she taught me and what she told me that day has stayed with me since. I've been protected. I've been directed. I've been corrected. I've kept God in my life and has kept me humble. I didn't always stick with him, but he always stuck with me. So stick with him in everything you do. If you think you want to do what you think I've done, then do what I've done and stick with God. Number two, fail big. That's right. Fail big. Today is the beginning of the rest of your life, and it can, be, it can be very frightening. It's a new world out there. It's a mean world out there, and you only live once. So do what you feel passionate about, passionate about. Take chances professionally. 
Don't be afraid to fail. There's an old IQ test was nine dots, and you had to draw five lines with a pencil within these nine dots without lifting the pencil. The only way to do it was to go outside the box. So don't be afraid to go outside the box. Don't be afraid to think outside the box. Don't be afraid to fail big, to dream big. But remember, dreams without goals are just dreams, and they ultimately fuel disappointment. So have dreams, but have goals, life goals, yearly goals. Monthly goals, daily goals. I try to give myself a goal every day. Sometimes just to not curse somebody out. <laughs> Simple goals, but have goals and understand that to achieve these goals, you must apply discipline and consistency. In order to achieve your goals, you must apply discipline, which you have already done, and consistency every day, not just on Tuesday and miss a few days. You have to work at it every day. You have to plan every day. You've heard the saying, "We don't plan to fail; we fail to plan." Hard work works. Working really hard is what successful people. Do. And in this text, tweet, twerk world that you've grown up in, <laughs> remember: just because you're doing a lot more doesn't mean you're getting a lot more done. Remember that: just because you're doing a lot more doesn't mean you're getting a lot more done. Don't confuse. Movement with progress. My mother told me, she said, "Yeah, because you can run in place all the time and never get anywhere. So continue to strive, continue to have goals, continue to progress." Number three, you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. <laughs> I'll say it again: you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. I don't care how much money you make; you can't take it with you. And it's not how much you have; it's what you do with what you have. We all have different talents. Some of you will be doctors, some lawyers, some scientists, some educators, some nurses, some teachers. Yeah, okay. <laughs> some preachers. The most selfish thing you can do in this world. Help someone else. Why is it selfish? Because the gratification, the goodness that comes to you, the good feeling, the good feeling that I get from helping others—nothing's better than that. Not jewelry, not big house I have, not the cars, but the—it's the, the joy. That's where the joy is in helping others. That's where the success is. Finally, I pray that you put your slippers way under the bed tonight. So that when you wake up in the morning, you have to get on your knees to reach them. 
And when, you, when while you're down there, say thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for parents. Thank you for love. Thank you for kindness. Thank you for humility. Thank you for peace. Thank you for prosperity. Say thank you in advance for what's already yours. That's how I live my life. That's where I, why I am, one of the reasons why I am today. Say thank you in advance for what is already yours. True desire in the heart for anything good is God's proof to you sent beforehand to indicate that it's yours already. I'll say it again. True desire in the heart, that itch that you have, whatever it is you want to do, that thing that you want to do to help others and to, to grow and to make money, that desire, that itch, that's God's proof to you, sent beforehand already to indicate that it's yours. And anything you want good, you can have. So claim it. Work hard to get it. When you get it, reach back. Pull someone else up. Each one, teach one. Don't just aspire to make a living. Aspire to make a difference. Psalm 74, verses 1 through 23. We'll read about what we see. Written probably after the destruction of the temple, this psalm reveals the anguish of one who deeply loved God and really could not understand why he permitted such desecration. Israel was his flock and his inheritance, and Mount Zion was his dwelling place. Yet he allowed evil men to destroy his people and his house. Why, O Lord? We'll read about what we do not see. God is king. But we don't see his hand working as in past centuries. We see no signs and we have no prophet to interpret the times and give us God's message. One of God's judgments is to leave his people without a word of guidance because they have refused to obey his will. And we'll read about what we want to see. Surely Asaph knew that the sins of the nation caused the invasion of the enemy and the destruction of the temple. As a faithful Jew, he wanted to see the city and the people delivered and the enemy defeated. That would happen in due time, when God's discipline of his people was ended and their rebellion conquered. Meanwhile, all he could do was weep and pray and trust God, and of course wait. Psalm 74 Verses 1-23 through 23, A Psalm of Asaph O oh God, why have you rejected us forever? Why is your anger so intense against the sheep of your own pasture? Remember that we are the people you chose in ancient times, the tribe you redeemed as your own special possession. And remember Jerusalem, your home here on earth. Walk through the awful ruins of the city. See how the enemy has destroyed your sanctuary. There your enemies shouted their victorious battle cries. There 
They set up their battle standards. They chopped down the entrance like woodcutters in a forest, with axes and picks. They smashed the carved paneling. They set the sanctuary on fire, burning it to the ground. They utterly defiled the place that bears your holy name. Then they thought, let's destroy everything. So they burned down all the places where God was worshipped. We see no miraculous signs as evidence that you will save us. All the prophets are gone. No one can tell us when it will end. How long, O God, will you allow our enemies to mock you? Will you let them dishonor your name forever? Why do you hold back your strong right hand? Unleash your powerful fist and deliver a death blow. You, O God, are my king from ages past, bringing salvation to the earth. You split the sea by your strength and smashed the sea monster's heads. You crushed the heads of Leviathan and let the desert animals eat him. You caused the springs and streams to gush forth, and you dried up rivers that never run dry. Both day and night belong to you. You made the starlight and the sun. You set the boundaries of the earth, and you make both summer and winter. See how these enemies scoff at you, Lord. A foolish nation has dishonored your name. Don't let these wild beasts destroy your doves. Don't forget your afflicted people forever. Remember your covenant promises, for the land is full of darkness and violence. Don't let the downtrodden be constantly disgraced. Instead, let these poor and needy ones give praise to your name. Arise, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how these fools insult you all day long. Don't overlook these things your enemies have said. Their uproar of rebellion grows even louder. Proverbs 24, verses 15 and 16. Do not lie in wait like an outlaw at the home of the godly, and don't raid the house where the godly live. They may trip seven times, but each time they will rise again. But one calamity is enough to lay the wicked low. Proverbs 24, verses 15 and 16.